Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan, bringing you our latest podcast as usual, and I've got our host, my other host, Amy, with me. Hello, Amy, darling. Hello, darling. How are you? Excellent. Tonight, how are you? Oh, fabulous as always. Excellent. All right. So for those of you who are listening, we do have the chat room up and waiting, so if anybody wants to join us on the chat room, of course, you're welcome to. And uh, we uh, might do a little bit different format tonight. Uh, normally, we've been waiting until the end of the show to take in callers, but I think this time might be a good idea if we get some of you guys talking to us while we're actually getting into the episode discussion uh, so we can talk to more of you. So might roll it off that way later on, but we're going to get started with our usual uh, weekly news roundup. So the first thing that we've got, um, we've got a lot of casting news going on in the Once Upon a Time universe right now. Uh, we've got Rebecca Mader, who was cast as the new big bad villain for the second half of season three. Um, lots of speculation as to who she will be playing. Um, I know for myself, I have an idea, Amy... I think you have an idea of who you want it to be. I think we all kind of know yeah. who we would, you know, have ideas of who we want it to be. But I, I think that there's been some references on the shows lately that tell us who it's going to be. But Amy, what do you think of this news? I think it's great news. First off, because everybody knows I do love my villains. I'm huge, huge evil regal, and I adore just the villains in general. But originally, I was thinking that it was going to be like a Madame Mim Morgana kind of character to tie into, you know, the Arthurian legends and, you know, go back because we already had Lancelot. But like you mentioned, there have been so many little hints. And after the Twitter chat with Dane this week and the new episode of Wonderland and little things that have been thrown in, um, I'm kind of leaning away from my original idea now. I'm not thinking it's going to be the... Madam Mim Morgana character now. I, I'm online with what you think, which actually it's funny because the whole thing came up because of what my son said. <laughs> Jacob tends mm-hmm. to have these fantastic theories, and he's usually dead on. So, yeah, me and Zach kind of had an epiphany online the other day after my son just sort of casually walked by and said, oh, well, I think the villain is this person. And then he kept calling, and I was like, oh, wait. So, yeah, we started talking about it, and I'm with you. I think that, that your prediction is probably going to be correct. Yeah, so for everybody who is uh, listening to the show right now, my idea and so many of others is that, uh, you know, thinking that the new villain is going to be the Wicked Witch of the West um, because there have been several Oz references on Once Upon a Time through, you know, season two we've had them. We've had them in season three. Um for example, just uh, the uh, episode where Neil is stuck in the cage and they have to reveal all the secrets. Uh, Regina has a line. She asked, you know, if you guys want to follow the evil munchkin dirt road, be my guest. So that was one. Um, there have been multiple references and kind of Oz hints in uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Um, yes. Amy, you actually pointed out that the road in, in Wonderland looks like the yellow brick road. Of, uh, right, it's made of out Oz, of yellow bricks. So. It's just bigger yellow bricks. And then also exactly. in once, yeah, in once we've heard them mention the ruby slippers on at least two occasions in different episodes. Um, in the one episode, the doctor uh, Jefferson actually retrieved that sphere for Rumple. 
from Oz, and he made a comment then about not being able to get the ruby slippers. This week in Wonderland, uh, their idea to get to Jafar's fortress that's on the floating island was to build a hot air balloon. And Alice even asked the neighbor, well, haven't you ever been in a hot air balloon? It's, you know, kind of all the thing where I'm from. So I don't know. I just, all these little things to it. And Jane Estenson wrote this week, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, or last week's Bad Blood, and she did a Twitter chat live while it was airing. And one of the things I asked her, I said, you know, is this all in my head, all these Oz references I keep seeing in between Wonderland and Once? And um, I said, or is that intentional? And her answer was maybe both, and then like dot, dot, dot. So I was like, oh, hmm, maybe that's a hint. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm pretty convinced about it just because um, the fact that there have been so many Oz references on both of the shows um, I think that by including the Wicked Witch of the West as the new villain on the show, that would um, kind of connect the two universes, actually, um, because it would have a chance for, I mean, you know, Wonderland would have the Wicked Witch, and, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's what I think, though, anyways. I think that, that the Wicked Witch of the West would be the connecting factor, one of the connecting factors between Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. So... You know, very excited to see who that's going to be. Um, of course, with the other casting news that happened this week, there is also speculation that Rebecca Mater could be a different villain um, on the show because um, Alexander Metz was cast as Rapunzel. And, mm-hmm. of course, Rapunzel's villain is Mother Gothel. And so people are wondering, you know, if maybe Rebecca Mater will be playing Mother Gothel, which is a fine idea and I, and. It's perfectly reasonable to think that it would work, especially because of, you know, the theme of parenting on Once Upon a Time and, you know, in, in Tangled, the movie Tangled, the Disney version of it, you know, um, Mother Gothel has a very twisted parenting relationship with Rapunzel. So, you know, it would totally go together. It would totally fit either way. Um, I just think that they're going to go for, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West just because... I, honestly, I kind of think she's a better villain. I love Mother Gothel Tangled. is one of my favorite Disney movies, but I, I do think that The Wicked Witch of the West would make a better villain this time around. So that is I what think I so think. That is what, with, with the magic, and also I forgot to point out, too, you had mentioned when we were talking earlier that um, going home was such a big theme in The Wizard of Oz, and mm. Al, or Adam and Eddie wrote both, the winter finale for Once Upon a Time and the winter finale on a Time in Wonderland. So both of these upcoming episodes are written by Adam and Eddie. They're the season, uh, the mid-season finales. The one for Once Upon a Time is called Going Home, and the one for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland is called Home. So I, I don't know. I just I feel like that's such a big hint right there too. And I didn't yeah. think about it until you mentioned it. We were talking about that. Yeah, because, of course, there is no place like home, which is one of the, I mean, it might be the most famous line from The Wizard of Oz, actually. So, you know, those two things together, I really, it's just kind of reinforcing the connection that the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, is coming. So, you know, very excited and and hoping, yeah, see Teresa, Teresa Martin in the chat room, she's saying it too, there's no place like home. So, yeah, there's. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it because I've actually loved The Wizard of Oz since I was a a little kid. it's a movie that my grandma and I used to watch all the time when I'd go over to her house. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about 
the possibility that it would be, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West. I think that that's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. Um, some other news, just moving on to the other, you know, news stories here. We had a ratings bump uh, for Once Upon a Time, um, a pretty big increase there. Amy, do you have some more details for that on us, for us on that? Because I can speak tonight. Jeez. Well, Adam had tweeted out that, uh, once again, it was the top, scripted drama for Sunday night and that it had bumped up. There wasn't a a final number yet, but that they already knew the ratings were even higher than the week before. And we talked last week about how much higher the ratings even last week had been since prior to that. So it just seems like the ratings keep building and building for the show. I think people are getting really excited as it comes towards, you know, the end of the Neverland thing and to see what's happening and, this was honestly a huge episode. A lot happened, and, you know, we'll get into that when we talk about the episode in a little bit, but I think that people are really tuning in, and we've even seen a huge increase in fan site and Facebook traffic as well. Yeah. People, I think they're jumping in trying to, you know, really get involved and see what's happening because these past few episodes have really sort of built up to whatever it is that's coming next week. Yeah, something really major has been going on. Um, I mean, once upon a fan, we've seen a lot more traffic on book happening. So that combined with the ratings increase, you know, I'm wondering if maybe some people who had maybe lost faith or stopped watching during the second season are reconnecting with the third season and are loving it for the totally awesome story that it is. Um, but I don't know. I can't. I can't explain why our our Facebook page is suddenly growing. But I mean, I'm totally stoked that you know the ratings are going up for the show because I mean, the more people that watch it and the more exposure that we get, then you know, hopefully, you know, we can pump some more money into the budget and get some bigger epic stories out of it, or you know, something. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really exciting to have all of those things happen, and and really stoked about that. Um, so yeah. Lots of you know ratings, ratings news. Ratings is always good. More viewers is always good for Once Upon a Time. So that's awesome. So there's that. Um, okay, you had mentioned actually that you know Jane Espenson did do a live tweet during the last Wonderland episode. And for anybody who was watching Jane's feed or Amy's feed, um, they were having quite a conversation for a couple of hours, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So yeah. Um, yeah, so we will have a, re- a recap of that conversation up on Once Upon a Fan soon because we're compiling all of the questions that that Jane answered. So, you know, we will have, you know, some more information in a full-length article later on. But, Amy, since you were the one chatting with Jane, do you want to go ahead and share your thoughts on how that conversation went? Well, the reason it, it actually, I didn't start off thinking it was going to be this really long Twitter conversation. Well, it just well sort of shoot, yeah, well, neither did I. It just all of a sudden you guys <laughs> built into this thing. <laughs> yeah, we were going back and forth. I love Jane Espenson. I think a lot of Oneers do. We've mentioned before that even before she wrote, you know, Skin Deep and other really popular episodes, that she had written for other shows that, you know, a lot of us love, like Buffy and things like that. So she already has a huge fan base, and I love Jane. So when I thought she was doing a live tweet, for Wonderland because she wrote this week's episode. I thought, oh, well, I'll jump in and, you know, ask a couple questions. And she was really great about answering fans, but we were, you know, going back and forth. And the reason it turned out to be so long is because once I tweeted during the East Coast feed, because I'm on the East Coast, I had tweeted to her and said, 
you know, wow, this episode was really shocking and, uh, oh, my God, I said I'm going to come back and I'm going to tweet the West Coast feed just so I can see everyone's reaction. And she tweeted me back. She's like, yeah, talk about it and stream it. But, yeah, she had really good insight to say, you know, we saw a lot about the relationship, the whole thing. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But with Jafar and his father, the Sultan, and what was actually the motivation. And anybody that saw my Twitter feed last week knows that I kept saying, like, how much I couldn't stand Alice's father. And Jane was like, wow, you're a little bit hard on him, aren't you? I'm like, well, he's a punk, and somebody needs to tie his mustache in a knot or something because that man's horrible. But she made the comment, well, maybe you'll see him a little different after the end of the episode, which I think he did, you know, come to a turning point at the end of the episode. But she was just awesome answering back and forth. And I know we're trying to get all those tweets compiled and put in there. Uh, there was, you know, there were several people asking questions and things, and she was really great about trying. She couldn't give away any spoilers, but yeah, she's she's really she's one of the creators actually, right with Adam and Eddie and Zach Estrand and Jane are the four creators listed for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. So that's kind of her baby. So, you know, this was her episode that she got to write. And it was really, really great. And talking to her, I kind of fangirl over the writers as much as I do over, you know, actors or anything like that because I feel like the writers are the ones that really create the worlds and the stories. And getting to chat yep. with them, even just on Twitter, I feel like that is such a great thing. I mean, just for that hour, you're really getting insight that other than maybe watching an episode with commentary, you know, you don't, you're not getting mm-hmm. that, and it's, I love that. I love being able to chat with the writers. It's so much fun. Yeah, it was really fun watching your guys' conversation back and forth, actually. Um, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was sad that I was not able to watch Wonderland live on Thursday, so I was not able to do any live tweeting. I did, I did mine later, um, actually. I did mine uh, the next day on Friday and just kind of live tweeted while I was doing the replay, but... Um, I did get an answer back from Jane. She just was, you know, happy that I liked the episode so much, which I do, because, norm- you know, normally when I'm doing my live tweeting stuff, I don't really ask a lot of questions. I'm, it's more just a reactionary thing, because um, in the moment, you know, I can't really think of anything to ask, so my questions always come up later on. So, right. um, But it was still lovely to hear from Jane. And, and actually, while I was live tweeting Sunday's episode of um, once upon a time, I got a tweet back from Josh Dallas, which I was pretty happy about, just because he's Aww. a really nice charming. guy, and yeah, because yeah, he's very, quite charming, yes. And uh, you know, because I I loved one of the lines that he said. I'll save that for for when we talk about the episode. But one of the, one of his lines, which there were several lines in in Sunday's Once Upon a Time episode that had me laughing pretty hard. I think it might have been yeah. the funniest episode they've ever done as far as one-liners go, because normally there's one or two, but this one was like constant zingers one after another. So, mm-hmm. yeah, loving that. Um, let's see, the other news that I want to make sure that we talk about is the uh, the Once Upon a Fan uh, charity event, which we have going on this month. It is happening from December 16th through the 22nd, and you can find more information out on the website, which is uh, com. Um, but essentially, um, just some details, we are trying to raise money for Stand Up to Cancer. Uh, last year, we were uh, working with the With Kids Foundation, which was very close to Robert Carlyle's heart. So um, that was last year, but this year we want to do Stand Up to Cancer because 
Um, it has affected uh, a couple of us on staff personally, as well as, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a major issue going on in, in the world is, you know, cancer research and everything. So we want to make sure we support that. We have a lot of items that are up for um, auction. We have some of our Yarn Ninja slash Facebook admins, Laura Foster. We've got some of her knit dolls. Um, we've got a signed, you know, autographed script um, that the cast signed. We've got um, a lot of people have sent in, you know, artwork or, you know, once upon a time trinkets, which, you know, if you still have stuff and you want to try and get it in for the auction, please let us know, see what we can do. Um, you can email newsroom at onceuponafam.com. Um, but, yeah, uh, we've also got a replica of Henry's storybook, which um, the cast and Adam and Eddie signed at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and then when we were at the Enchanticon convention, we also had Ethan Embry, Gil McKinney, and Raphael Sparge sign it too. So lots and lots of signatures, lots of signed things. Great Once Upon a Time memorabilia, trying to raise lots of money. So um, I want to make sure that everybody knows about that. Please spread the word to your friends and to other Oncers, you know, through Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and all the social media because it's really important that we raise a lot of money um, just because it's a good cause and we want to make sure that we – can, you know, get lots of money going on for all that. So we make sure that we spread the word on that, folks, because we really, really appreciate it. We want to make sure we get that done. All right, so the other thing that we want to broach to our audience members is the winter hiatus, which is coming after this Sunday. Um, we're going to have a hiatus of, what is it? Is it 11 weeks or 13 weeks, Amy? I can't remember exactly how many it is. but it's, I think it's 11 it's, weeks. I know Wonderland comes back on March 6th. So and and once upon a time is right around there too. So I think I believe I read that it was eleven weeks. Yeah. So there is going to be a bit of a hiatus, and you know, me and Amy don't necessarily want to take a break from the podcast because we know that there are a lot of people who enjoy listening to it and want to keep you know keep it going. So we do want to hear from you guys as far as what you would want to hear, you know, during the hiatus. Um, we have talked about doing episode reviews of you know past episodes from seasons one and two. I'm going over some fan favorites there, um, so we could do that. But, you know, with no new episodes of the show to discuss, we want to make sure that we still, you know, have fun and that everybody gets to participate a little bit more. So please send us your ideas. Um, my Twitter handle is at the Zach Van, and my name is spelled Z-A-C-H. Um, Amy's is at Amelia, which is spelled with a Y instead of an E, A-M-Y-L-I-A-403. Um, you can also tag the Once Upon a Fan um, Twitter, which is at Once Upon a Fan, to let us know what you think. Or you can email newsroom at onceuponafans.com. Uh, hit us up on Facebook. Um, you know, social media is a really big monster now. So any way that you can think of to get a hold of us, I'm sure we will hear from you. But we do want to know because we want to, you know, keep the show going, and we want to make sure that we talk about what you guys want to hear too. So please send us your messages and let us know because that would be awesome. Because we'll right. be suffering so, during those weeks. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's going to be a really, you know, hard – it's going to be a hard time. It's going to be almost like, you know, recovering from an illness or, you know, something <laughs> like that. We're, it's, going, it's going to be hard. I know that, you know, I've, I've got a lot of blankets and Kleenex ready for those Sunday nights when once isn't on and I'm curled up in bed and I'm just a total fit. <laughs> You know, you know, and I'm just knitting with my cat. No, I'm just kidding. Totally joking. But, you know, we, we, it is, it's not going to be easy not having Once Upon a Time for that long because it's basically like another summer hiatus, um, right. which, you know, kind of sucks. So would have been nice to have Wonderland in the break. Anyways, hashtag just saying. So 
Um, having said that, <clears throat> I want to make sure that we also mention that um, Adam Horowitz's birthday was last week. So happy belated birthday to Adam if you're listening. Um, I want to make sure we mention that. Amy, go ahead and get some birthday greetings in there. Uh, Michael Coleman, who plays Happy, his birthday was also last week. It was the day after Adam. He's actually in Hawaii right now with his family. I've been looking at his uh, post through Facebook. So happy birthday to him. And today is yeah. actually David Paul Grove's birthday, who plays Doc. And he's been a, such a sweetheart. All of Team 7, really. You guys know how much I love Team 7. They're always really, really great with the fans. But I know I've seen David on Twitter all day today trying to respond to everybody that said happy birthday to him because you, know, you, you can tell it's really important to him, and he's he's very grateful. So they're all sweethearts. So I love them all to death. So, yeah, if you guys get a chance to hop on Twitter, maybe wish him a happy birthday today. Yeah, definitely. So, um Lots of doc talk going on on Twitter today, I saw from him. So, And the thing that I love, I just want to say, the thing that I love about David Paul Grove is that whenever he addresses somebody back on Twitter, whenever he replies, he always calls them prince or princess. Like, he always yes. – and I, and I love that. I really do. It's like when you go to one of the Disney parks and, you know, it's your birthday and they treat you like you're one of the royals. I just think it's just such a, it's such a nice personal touch um, so I just think it's something really cool that he's doing. It's something I wanted to mention. I just thought that, that was cool. It kind of stands out. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let me see. What else do we got going on? Um, that's pretty much it for the news in this mm-hmm. week's episode. So let's get on into the episode discussion, which I have pages of notes. I have uh, yeah. pages. <laughs> I have pages of week. notes. Just, just from, you know, Once Upon a Time Alone, let alone Wonderland, which I, I'm just going to come out and say it. This was the best episode of Wonderland that has aired so far, was the one that was last week. I am so completely in love and adoring last week's episode. Of course, it was written by Jane. I mean, it, and it definitely well, has... It was so dark and so... I mean, so they went, the, yeah, they, I, like I the, didn't the, think the, they were going to. And so was yeah, there was this a, week. I mean, we had a major a major dark thing happened on once too and I was mm. not expecting it. I was uh, I was just like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I kind of had the same reaction to that event. But let's kind of go through the episode, you know, kind of chronologically I guess, because that's kind of how my notes are. I was just writing things down as it was happening. So um of course we have the charming families which is kind of extended now to include Rumpel and everyone too. Maybe I don't know if we need to come up with a with a family name that covers all of them because the Charmings kind of does, but at the same time, it like I don't think of Regina and Rumple as part of the Charmings. Let's say I mean they're so we need to figure out a name for the family. But yeah, there was the you know the reunion the reunion back from you know, the return from Neverland, which was you know really good, but obviously doesn't have the same emotional impact knowing that it's Panry and not Henry getting off the ship. Right. Mhm. A little punk. Because <laughs> yes, that little punk for for you know lack of a better PG friendly PG term. word. Because that's yes, because that's exactly what he is. Um, and I just I just want to say too, since you know a majority of the focus on this episode was you know Panry and his plot to do well to get the curse apparently versus, you know, um, Emma and Regina, everyone trying to figure out 
their life now, I guess. Like, I just want to say really quick that Jared Gilmore did an amazing job this week with his performance. Um, I was actually really, like, I was pleasantly surprised by how well he did because he was, he was totally dark and malicious and just, I, like, every time I saw him on the screen, I was actually dreading what was going to happen because I had no idea how twisted it was going to get. So I just want to give major kudos and major props to Jared Gilmore and also to Robbie McKay because he really nailed Henry's mannerisms and the scene in the, you know, the street when they take him past the town line. Like I could totally imagine Jared Gilmore as Henry acting exactly that same way. So kudos to both of you guys. You both did a great job. Yeah, they were both. I mean, it, it was so odd because Jared Gilmore plays Henry, and he's usually, you know, this upbeat kid, and he's so happy, and, you know, it was really strange. I was actually worried. You know, I didn't know if, being so young, if he was going to be able to pull off that really dark, pan, you know, persona, but he did really, really well. And then Robbie Kay, it was so strange to see him, but I've said it in the past, that that kid, I mean, he's amazing. That, I'd be afraid to meet up with him. I mean, that pan scares the hell out of me. So, you know, he did so good at making the turnaround of being, you know, this wide-eyed young kid in, you know, in that body. So I thought they both did fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they, they really did a really awesome job. And I know that, you know, um, yeah, I just, I love their performances. I thought they both were fantastic. So I just want to make sure that I do give them the kudos while we're talking about that really quick at the top of the show. Um, so, yeah, there was that. Um, there were a lot of things that happened in this episode. Um, like, for example, the rum bell moment in the pawn shop. Okay. Okay, so, okay. I am not the world's biggest rumbeller, okay? Please don't send me a bunch of hate mail. I'm sorry. They're not my favorite <laughs> characters. They're not my favorite couple. But I will say that that scene in the pawn shop may be the beginning of a, con- a, a conversion because I thought that scene was so sweet and so loving and really good. Like, it actually, for me, it kind of harkened back to the scene in um, The Miller's Daughter when mm-hmm. Rumpel is dying from the poison and he calls Belle at the hospital and they have the phone conversation. It kind of was one of those scenes to me. Like, you don't normally get to hear Rumpel being loving and romantic in that way. I mean, we know that he, you know, he loves Belle. We know how much he cares about her and everything. But you don't normally get to hear him speak about it in that way. So for him to say that he wanted the future, we're there together, there was just something different to their relationship. Like, it just felt different. It felt like he's, it, I mean, it's silly to say, but it feels like Rumpel is a changed man after Neverland. And that's what I really right. liked about that scene. Was that that's what, kind of what it demonstrated to me. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I mean, it, it's very rare. What I thought about it when I was watching it is you just don't see Rumpel without his guard up and just really speaking freely. Mm-hmm. Like it seems so often he has to either defend himself against something or he's got his guard up and he's not, you know, really going to say what he feels because the reaction might be bad. And this was one of the times when I felt like, you know, none of that was coming into play and he was actually speaking from his heart. So I, yeah, I, I will say that I 
had wished he was going to keep the rumple leather on instead of changing back into the suit. But other than that, I, I really like this scene. Yeah, and you know, um, and I maybe I I I've watched the episode a couple of times, and I still quite I can't quite catch it. Does he need the cane anymore, or doesn't he? Because I got the impression that he no, no he no longer needs it, that he's not going to use it anymore. I don't think anymore. he needs it to walk. I think he said he told Bay or Neil that he just needed it as a reminder of the man he used to be. So I don't think he actually needs it anymore. I think he yeah, because I don't I don't re- I don't recall seeing him carrying it for the rest of the episode. And mind, it's not like he was doing a lot of walking anyway, but. I don't remember seeing it from the rest of the episode, and I kind of thought that it would be fitting that he would now have fixed his ankle and be able to walk again after, you know, it's like he's made it up to, he's made it up to Neil. Neil has forgiven him, and their relationship can move forward. So now he can, he can walk proudly again. Like, he can walk as an un, you know, unencumbered as a man. Like, it's almost like he's, oh, well, maybe that's what it is. He's just come more back into himself, and now he really knows himself and, he no longer need. Oh well, he doesn't need the crutch because he could. Oh, okay, yeah. There's so many layers to that. Okay, yeah. He doesn't need the crutch anymore. Gotcha. Right. Loving it. Okay, cool. So yeah, there's that. Um, let me see. Uh, what did Sarah say? Because I missed something. Rumple does not need the cane. Yeah, Rumple does not need the cane. Okay, so he does not need the cane. Cool. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate that. Yeah. So there was that moment too. Um, there, God, there were so many things. After they went back to the diner, right, and they're having, like, the welcome home party at the diner, first of all, okay, when Hook said to Neil that he's backing off from Emma, at first I wasn't sure whether or not to believe that until I saw him with Tink later on. And I'm just going to say right here and now, I've already said it on Twitter, and I'm sure that the ship has already happened, but it needs to set sail and go into the clouds now. Tinker Hook needs to happen. It just yeah. needs to happen. They've got really good chemistry. Tink is really spunky and could totally keep him in line whenever he gets out of line. Like, she would totally be like, no, dude. Like, I almost picture them, like, being almost like a rock and roll kind of couple where he is, like, going out on the road doing his thing and she's right there with him being like, no, honey. Like, stop looking at all those girls. I'm sitting right here. Like, No. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just to picture them, like, if they were to be a real-life couple, I feel like they'd go to a bunch of rock concerts and, you know, like, go see Sammy Hagar or something. You know what I mean? Drink tequila and right. stuff. I mean, right. don't you get the feeling that that's the kind of couple that they would be? Like, that's the feeling I get they would be. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they would make an awesome couple. And, I mean, I'm a swan fire girl anyway, but, you know, so I have maybe ulterior motives. I love Hook. I think he's a fantastic character, but he's you know, strong and funky, just like her. They're almost, you know, each other's bookend, really. So, yeah, I think that would work if they put them together. Yeah, I just think they would be a really sweet couple. And considering, you know, their their Neverland history, which I know that I know that they have, even if we never got to see it. Um, You know, I think that they would be. I think that they would make a really great couple. And you know, speaking of Tink too. I have to say that I loved the moment where Regina was trying to help Tink get her wings back. I loved it. Yes! And Blue was being such a witch. I was like, what? Because Regina stepped up. I love Regina when she's evil and wicked, but I, I, I was really liking her there where she's like, yeah, you know, Tink helped us out. She's earned it. Give her her wings back. And 
Blue had to go and tell her she wasn't taking orders from her. I was like, oh, uh oh. <laughs> Somebody's going to throw yeah, that. I, I, like I loved that. Loved it. Totally loved it. Yeah, when, things, which, when Blue said, if case you've forgotten, I don't take orders from you, like, in case you've forgotten, like, that implies that Regina has tried to order her around before. So I would like to see the history of that. Or maybe I'm just making it up in my head because that's what I want to see. But I would like to see that. So, hey, you know. And also, too, I want to just step back right, really quick because that whole thing with Tink just made me think of something else. When they got off the ship and Snow made sure to tell everybody that Regina had helped to save them, and, as she, right. and then Regina just kind of stood there looking like, oh, what do I do? Because she's not used to getting that kind of attention or anything at all. So, right. you know, I thought that was a great moment. And it, and it makes me wonder if, you know, by Snow doing that, if that's why she went to bat for Tink, because Snow went to bat for her. And, you know, she's just trying to pay it forward or, you know, pay it back or something. But I'm, I'm, I, like Teresa is saying in the chat room, I love this kind of, begrudging friendship between the evil queen and Tinkerbell. Because, right. well, for one thing, I wasn't expecting it, but for, for two, it actually works. Like, it, it works in its own way. And it's kind of nice, honestly. Like, I kind of like the idea of Regina having a girlfriend. Like, somebody I that she too. can go, you know, like, I they can like go get their nails it. done and talk about crap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love it. <laughs> go get their evil nails done. I, yeah, I, go I get think. the evil and then cook the evil bacon in the evil kitchen. They cook the evil bacon in the evil kitchen. Yeah, I I loved it when you know when we got the flashback of the two of them together and they were prowling around and everything. I mean, I feel like you know Tink isn't an evil character and Regina's you know shades of gray. Sometimes she's evil, sometimes she's better. But I feel like their friendship was awesome in that episode. And if they could build on that and keep it now, I think that would be great. I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, me too. Because I mean, Regina is and it's funny, because it's only when I see Regina in relationships with other people now where she's, you know, talking to about, you know, talking to Blue and talking to Tink and all that stuff that I never really realized how alone Regina is. Like, and I know that they have done everything they can to kind of emphasize that point, but I never really understood how alone Regina is until I just had that thought of the two of them being girlfriends and going out and doing stuff. Regina has right. never had that before. Like, she's never had just had, like, a friend that she can hang out with. I mean, as far as we know, I mean, she did say that Maleficent was her only friend, but we haven't seen the history of their friendship yet, so I have no idea Which what's going to happen with that. I'm dying to see that. I want to see that. Yeah, I'm so dying that. to see that, That's too. That's like the top of my list. Oh, yeah, definitely. Exactly. But, yeah, that's that's a, uh, that's something that I want to see, too, because, I mean, well, number one, they're, two, they're the two biggest, baddest Disney villains, you know, of them all. But also, you know, they, they have an established relationship based on, you know, the thing you love most. So I, I really do want to see, you know, the history there. I'm just going to push for more Maleficent every time until we see her because I love Maleficent. So that's just going to be the yeah. way it is. Although, you know, I do wonder if and maybe it's the cynical part of me, but I do wonder if maybe we'll see some more Maleficent as we get closer to the Angelina Jolie movie coming out because, you know, two birds, one stone. I hope so. so hey, there you go. I, I, I've I hope so, too. I've been to see that whole Regina Maleficent thing for a while. And, you know, in Wonderland, we already had uh, Kristen Bauer did a cameo, but we didn't see her. We just heard her. She did Maleficent's voice. And I was like, oh, I really wanted to see her, but I would love for her to come back. Yeah, Teresa said a voice cameo. Yeah. 
I would love for her to come yeah. back on to one because Melissa yeah, is always one of my favorite characters. So. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, if nothing else, we do still have the history of Aurora, because Aurora did say in Broken that Maleficent once went after her mother before she went after her. So, you know, there is still, there's history to be explored. Whether or not we'll ever see it, I don't know. It may not ever come into play in the main story. But it is something that I'm interested in seeing. And, you know, maybe they could do another spinoff where they show the other stories that were happening in the forest that weren't necessarily related to Snow White or anything, because... There's still stuff happening. There's still characters there, you know what I mean? So maybe it's something that we can see later on. That would be cool. So, yeah. Um, The next point that I've got here written down is, yes, okay, yeah, this. All right. Neil asking Emma out on a date. Okay. As a big Swanfire girl, because I am one, haha, um, I loved that moment. I thought it was so cute like that he was like asking her out all proper and that she was kind of resistant. And then he was like, well, you know, we can still go. Cause that totally number one made me think of Manhattan when she like, she's like trying to yell at him and he was like, come with me to the bar. And she's like, I don't want to go with you. And he was like, no, trust me, come on. And then she like has to follow him. And it also <laughs> plays into Tallahassee cause like their relationship has always been like that. So I just love that. He's like, no, come on, like, just come on, just do it. Come on. Yeah. And she's well, like, like, yeah, the okay. He worded it though. He was like, I tell you what, I'm not asking you out, but tomorrow around this time, I'm going to be hungry, and I'm probably going to sit right there. So, you know, do with that what you will. Yeah. So I exactly. Like, yeah, I just, I, I love that. He's, he, he's, he's so cute. He's just so cute. I just want. They're so cute together too. I think that they've got a great, you know, they've got great chemistry. They've obviously, you know, Jennifer Morrison and Michael Raymond James have a great working relationship. So. You know, I I love when they're on screen together. They almost seem like two troublemakers, which I know that's what they are, but that's totally, like, the impression I get. Like, if the two of them, you know, get to, yeah, I just, I see Tallahassee every time, just the two of them getting into trouble. So, yeah, I was, I thought that was so, so cute. And then, you know, I do, it makes me wonder, though, if Hook is really going to back off or if, you know, he's still going to try something sly, but I think he's going to go for Tank, so who knows? Who knows? Um, okay, and also, too, I just got to say, um, the scene where, okay, so as we're, like, moving progressively through the episode here, I'm just going to do the modern time stuff first, and then we can do the fairy tale stuff. So, when, you know, when Henry, well, when Panry says that he wants to go stay with Regina for the night, you know, I, that was the first time that I noticed how tall Jared Gilmore has gotten since the show started. That kid is almost as tall as Jennifer Morrison and Lana Perea now, and he started out as such a small little thing. Like, I have never noticed it until this week that I was like, wow, he's really getting bigger. Like, he's growing up. Like, it's kind of weird to see. Yeah, especially when you look at the season one, you know, the first few episode pictures and things from the pilot when he was – he looked much younger in season one. He's definitely going through that tween – you know, gross for Teresa said on here. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely getting taller. Yeah, he's he's huge. Like seriously, he's almost as tall as Jennifer Morrison now. I mean, and you know, when I because I was went back and I was watching the pilot recently because of you know a project that I'm working on, and I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, oh my god, this kid is so like he's such a small little boy in the beginning. Like he's just a small little kid and now he's like a young man and like I um, you know now now I have to expect to see him waving a sword and carrying a shield around like he's 
he's at that age where I feel like now Henry should be, you know, now they should be you know, teaching him sword fighting and stuff. Yeah, exactly, because he's getting bigger, and, yeah, like Trace saying, his voice is getting deeper, and Henry's just getting all grown up, and it's just kind of weird because, you know, when you go back and look at the pilot, like, seriously, when you look at the pilot, like, that scene when he's, like, at the door greeting Emma, he's so small. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And now he's so tall. It's just nuts. So, yeah, there's that. Um, let me see. Regina tucking Henry into bed. Okay. Okay. Kind of like with the fairy tale scene last week when she read him her fairy tale. I loved it. It was showing yeah, such a sweeter, motherly side of Regina that we really have never seen before. I mean, really, we've never got to see her, you know, I mean, we saw her kind of be motherly to him, but it wasn't, she wasn't being nice to him in the first season. She was being a witch. And then in the second season, he was adjusting to the fact that, you know, she is the queen and all this had happened. And, you know, she had sent them, you know, Snow and Emma to the Enchanted Forest, like so much going on that he couldn't, you know, we never really got to see those moments. So to see her get to tuck him in, even if it wasn't really Henry, to see how Regina acts to him, I was almost like, oh, like, I'm... How is how is it possible that me, whose per, whose favorite character is Emma, wants to see Henry with Regina more often now? Like, what, right. I don't know what's up with that, but somehow it happens. See, Zach and I differ on that. I mean, I love Emma, but my favorite is Regina, and Zach is definitely an Emma girl. So we we go back and forth about this. I'm sure most of you know. I love Regina. When I saw this moment, yeah, I thought it was sweet, but it made me. I, thought it was really heartbreaking for Regina because she was missing all the little signs that something was up, that he wasn't actually Henry, because she wanted so badly for him to need her to be his mom and to take care of him. And that was just, I just felt like seeing that, it was so heartbreaking because, you know, Henry does know about her vault and everything, and yet and he asked her and he played it off, you know, Pam played it off, and Henry's body is like, oh, well, I was just thinking that it would be safe. But, you know, she completely just overlooked the fact that he asked the question that she knew he already knew the answer to, and just these little things, all because she wanted him, you know, so badly to want her to be the mom to him. So I was just like, those scenes I thought were sweet, but I also thought it was kind of heartbreaking mm. for her. Because you mentioned before, like, how she really is alone, and she mentioned it last week. She was talking about how Henry is the only thing she has. She doesn't really have friends or, you know, anybody else that she has a relationship and story book with. So other than him, and hopefully, you know, now we'll see her have a friendship with Pink. But, yeah, I was just like, you know, just, oh, heartbreaking for her yeah it was definitely heartbreaking and that's actually you know regina's mothering that's the first topic that i want to talk to other folks about so if you're listening to the podcast please give us a call 347-677-1653 because we do want to talk to you we are going to do this radio show style too so if you've ever listened to the radio you know you know get on quick discussion and then we would have to, you know, kind of continue it on because we want to make sure we talk to everybody. It's no disrespect to everyone. It's not that we don't want to hear from you. We just need to make sure that we talk to everybody. So the number again is 347-677-1653. Call in and let us know what you think about, you know, Regina's mothering and, you know, her missing the signs of, of Panry being what he is. So go ahead and give us a call now. That would be good. 
Um, so I'm going to move on to the next couple of topics real quick before we get back into the discussion with all the folks calling in. Um, Emma is finally back in the red jacket, which obviously thrills me because, number one, I was at Enchanticon dressed like Emma wearing a red leather jacket. And to see her back, you know, in her in her clothes, I was like, okay, good. It's like it's it's like a, Emma's return to power, like her return to herself, and she's figured out, you know, she's not lost yeah. anymore. Like she went to you Neverland she and she's not lost anymore. So. Somebody's getting their ass kicked. So. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and you know, she's that's investigating good, something, or yeah, you know, like I, I love that jacket. I mean, the color red, you know, it symbolizes power. So, it, you know, for me, it was really like it's, it's Emma returning to a place of strength and power and leadership, and right. you know, coming back into her own. And you know, I, I love her little hat too. I just got to say, like, that's not the first time they've put a fun hat on Jennifer Morrison. And I, I just, <laughs> I love every time that they do because she likes the hats with the little fluffy balls on top, and I just. <laughs> I just think it's so adorable. So, yeah, yeah, I love the hat. So that part was awesome, too. Um, and also, also, huh, Emma and Charming having their father-daughter talk out on the – oh, my God, in the park. First of all, yeah. like, I, I seriously – like, and I know that we don't know these people personally, and we're never, ever going to see them in this context, but I really can't wait for Josh Dallas to be a dad because he is going to rock the mic on that job. I really, he is. He did such a good job in that scene, like playing, you know, Charming's father role to Emma, that when he actually has a, a kid, when they have the baby themselves, he's going to be so good at it. That kid is going to, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Way to go, yeah, Josh Dallas, for being a totally <laughs> awesome father figure on TV. Way to go. Definitely. Yeah, I like that whole line, too. They're talking about it in the chat room right now where played it off. Emma was asking if he was, had ulterior motives trying to keep uh, her away from Hook. And he's like, hey, I'm a married man. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so like, you think I'm interested in Hook? Emma, I'm a married man. Which, honestly, I was cracking up at that line because there is there are a group of people who ship Charming Hook or or hooker charm yes, or something have, like that, yeah, you know, who I've do want charming and hook to get together. So that's really what I was laughing at because it was almost like, you know, the writers and the show's way of acknowledging that ship and also like kind of winking at people being like, yeah, no, right. like, I don't know. I just, it was almost like an inside joke amongst, you know, the once community. And that's what right. I thought was funny was that if you don't know that, like if you're not one of the regular hardcore group of oncers, like we all are, then you're not going to, you're not necessarily going to get that because you don't even know that that group exists. So I thought, you know, that was because to the casual observer, it's still a funny line, but it's even funnier to those of us who know the context of it. So Definitely. I just thought that was great. And and that was really one of the lines, one of many that was, you know, so good this episode, like um, among, let me see, there was that one. Um, oh, in the flashbacks, which we haven't even gotten to the flashback yet. Um, Charming tells Snow, I fell in love with you on a troll bridge after you robbed me and hit me over the head with a rock. I knew what I was getting into. Um, yeah, that was I, <laughs> I thought that was so funny, and that was actually the line that when I was live tweeting that and you know put my reaction, that was the one where Josh Dallas replied to me and said he certainly did know what he was getting into. So, right. you know, I just, I, I, yeah, I just, I thought that that was such a great line. Um, 
My I favorite line was the one with Regina when she's looking at Snow from the reflection of the shield, and mm. she's like, yeah. oh, are you sad because your prince was turned into a statue? I can hardly tell the difference. And she looks so, Lana yeah. looks so giddy. Like, and I was looking at the stills today, and, like, in that scene, she's got her hands, like, up under her chin. Like, she's super excited about it. I mean, she was, like, evil queen thrilled, but I was cracking up when she did that one. Yeah, that was my favorite line from yeah. probably the whole episode. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I really did. I mean, that was <laughs> – I just thought it was great because this episode really did – it had so many lines. There was that one um, – you know, the one we mentioned earlier about, you know, charming thing to, to Emma, you, you know, I think I'm interested in Hook. Um, when, after Snow, you know, got Medusa to look into her own eyes in the reflection mm-hmm. and Charming stopped being a statue and he says, now I know what Frederick felt like. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, yeah. I threw my hands up in the air and I was like, oh, Teresa oh, is going to love it because our, yeah. our staff member Teresa loves Frederick and Abigail. She's the, she said it in the chat room right now, Frederick. Yeah, Teresa, I was totally thinking of you when that happened because I knew you were going to love that part so much. And I just thought it was such a good throwback to, like, I love that they were acknowledging the history that they've already established on the show. That was really what it was for me. They they were actually talking about past events that had happened in a way that makes sense. Like, that is a totally, that is the total, complete, appropriate line for Charming to say. And just, Uh, yeah, I just thought it was, it was fantastic. I love the acknowledgement of the past stories I did. Yeah, I, one of the things that I love is when they do, and Angela mentioned it in the chat room too, when they throw back to earlier episodes. I love tie-ins. Like when they do something in one episode or one season and then they kind of tie it in later on in a completely different season or a different episode or just a way you didn't really think it would throw back into it, I love all that. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really just makes, it kind of just fleshes out the whole universe a little bit more for them to acknowledge the stuff that they've already done. And then it also, exactly what Angel's saying, it gives it a sense of consistency and actual right. history, too. Like, it's actual, you know, historical events that have happened. So maybe that's just the history nerd in me saying that. But I, I do, I love that. Um, I, oh, and another one of the lines that I love, too, that was towards the end of the episode was when, when when Henry, who was inside Pan's body, because they're both kind of Panry right now, so it's when Pan's body, who is possessed by Henry, is with all of them in the cemetery going to Regina's vault, and he's talking to Rumpel, and he says, if you have to throw a fireball or something, please stay away from the face. Yeah, he's still in my body. <laughs> like, please, please avoid the face. I was like, oh, my God. Please. Yeah, like, really, there was just one zinger after another that... <laughs> It was just so funny. I mean, it really was. I think this is one of the funniest episodes of Once Upon a Time I've ever watched because I was actually cracking up laughing at a yeah. bunch of these lions. I just thought that they were great. Um, and then also, also, while we're on... T- mm-hmm. I was just going to say, with all of these really great, funny one-liners, you know that we also have to talk about the big event from this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. I'm, I'm, get, I'm yeah. getting there. I'm saving that for last. Oh, yeah. Because I'm I'm gonna have I'm I'm gonna have a fit over it, so I'm yeah, just gonna I have put that off to the say about that. <laughs> yeah, I have things to say about it too. So uh, so we'll we'll save that for last. Um, okay. uh, while we're on the topic of good dialogue, a couple of the other things that I loved was I loved how 
when going back to when Charming and Emma were having their father-daughter talk, I love that he said to her that, you know, you have to find the good, that life is made up of moments and you have to find the good ones in between the bad. The thing that I loved about that whole thing was that later on in the flashback, we find out that Snow first said that to Charming and then Charming said that to Emma and then Emma said that back to both of her parents. And so they both know the significance of that line. Charming knows why she said it, but Snow didn't. Like Snow had no idea that she would have that information. So I love the fact that it was actually establishing a bond between mother and daughter, and daughter doesn't even know it. I mean, I, right. I just I love that. It's kind of like in the episode Ariel, when Snow is at the cliff at the beginning of the episode, and she's about to jump in the water, and she's like, really? And, that, and that's what Emma says all the time is really? Like I love that, mm. that there's so much more of – her parents' personality is coming out in Emma's character. Yeah, yeah, you definitely see more parallels. I like that when you see, you know, how much that they actually have in common, even though they've missed out on being with each other for these 28 years. So I think that's neat when they, and it's usually really subtle and and Mm -hmm. really well written. It's not like thrown in your face that, hey, look at mm-hmm. this, both of them do this. You know, it's something like that where they'll both, you know, mention the same thing or do something the same way. So, yeah, I think that that's really good to see with, you know, really that whole little charming family. Yeah, it's also, it kind of reminds me of um, the moment in season one in the episode True North when um, Emma has her baby blanket out and, after she leaves, Mary Margaret smells it and almost, you can tell she almost remembers and then the curse makes her stop. Um, right. Like, I, it, it's, it's the same kind of thing. And, I, and I'm just going to say, too, if there's anybody, you know, anybody who can, has any control over this is listening to the podcast, that baby blanket has yet to make another appearance. I'm just saying. Can we bring it back, please? It's kind of an important thing. Like, just once. Yes, I would love like, to see the baby blanket. Yeah, I want to see the baby blanket again at least once. Like, it's, it has significance to, like, now that we've established that Mary Margaret knows, like, when she was cursed, she knew about the blanket, there needs to be a scene. It's not too late to include it. There needs to be a scene where the blanket is included. Now, I know that we've already moved on to the second half of the season and that, you know, we're filming the stuff with the new curse, which is one of the two major events that we need to talk about with this episode. But give us the blanket. We want the blanket. When can we have it? Now. Okay. So, yeah, there's that. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the end of the episode first, and then we'll talk about the other thing. Okay, so the end of the episode, of course, there's a new curse. Like, Pan has the dark curse. He's going to reenact it again, or enact it again, I suppose. And this time, the drop of true love potion will not be on the parchment, so even Emma will not be able to break it. And according to the promo for next week... Regina says that everybody will go back to where they came from. So, yeah, I've, yeah, uh, the curse again. Um, now, whether that yeah, means well, that now, see, and here's, we've had big discussions about this among the staff. And, yes, yeah. Amy, I want, I want you to share your opinion on what you think of it first before I launch into my tirade on this. Well, I just wanted to say that my first thought, when I saw that, when he's talking about enacting the curse, the curse takes the heart of the thing you love the most. And what does Pan really love? I mean, he doesn't, he obviously doesn't love Rumpel. I don't think he loves Felix. I think he just, you know, that's his brother from another mother. He doesn't, he's not yeah. like, 
buddy, you know, really tight with him. So what could be possibly love enough that the heart would suffice? I mean, Regina has to literally rip out her father's heart. She could kill him and rip out his heart. So, you know, that's kind of, that's that's a big sacrifice this this takes. So I don't know what he's going to do. I'm kind of excited about a new curse because I love the magic stuff. I've been saying for a long time that if they can get some more Eduardo's fairy tale costumes in, that I'm happy about it. I don't know if, and, and I don't know for sure that there's going to be any amnesia along with this curse, but I, if there is, I will just say I hope it doesn't last super, super long because I feel like they've spent, you know, all these seasons already trying to get back to each other and find each other and, now, you know, I'm fine with wherever they want to put them and all these adventures, but just don't make them forget. I think I put on Twitter, sweet baby Jesus, please no amnesia. So, I mean, I'm willing to go along with wherever the writers want to take it because, you know, usually I'm pretty pleasantly surprised and they're the ones calling the shots. It's really their story to tell. But I, I, if there is amnesia, I will say I hope it doesn't last for the entire last half of the season. Because <laughs> I like it when they recognize each other. Like when Snow White and Seven Dwarfs are together and, you know, it's just like Disney magic. It's like the, you know, seeing the Disney classic come to life on your screen, but like a modern retelling. I love that. I love that they know who each other are and they have this whole fairy tale history. So, yeah, well... I don't know. I'm very excited for next week to see what, what this new curse is actually going to do. Yeah, because, you know, there's been a lot of discussion among us staff members because, you know, the press release came out. And um, normally, you know, Amy and I avoid spoilers, but for the press release, there are some guest stars who are listed that, uh-huh. you know, could potentially reveal what the new curse will be about. Um Amy, should we talk about that or not? Okay, I'm going to put an official spoiler alert out there right now. You have five seconds to turn down your radio or whatever because we are going to talk about some spoilers for next week's episode. So five, four, three, two, one, you've been warned. Okay, so next week, some of the guest stars that are included on the episode are, among others, Smee, Malcolm, who is the adult Peter Pan, and also the doctor and the nurse who helped deliver Henry. So all of those people are now included as guest stars in the episode. And right. we've had a discussion on, you know, among the staff members privately about what we think the new curse will be and the fact that Regina says in the promo that you know, it will take everyone back to where they came from. And what I think is going to happen is that it'll, it might reverse time a little bit and instead of Emma choosing to give Henry up, she will actually choose to keep him instead, and that will be what happens to their relationship while everybody else goes back to the Enchanted Forest and probably forgets everything about Storybrooke. Now, the big question I have about that, that of course, is whether or not the Charmings... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, see, when we were talking about that, the only thing is I don't, I'm not sure how exactly that would work because that would negate the entirety of season one. Like Henry would never, yeah. you know, be in Storybrooke. He would never need to come find Emma. You know, it would, there would, so if Regina did enact this curse, 
and she had chosen to keep Henry, he wouldn't have been there. So they just would have been stuck in the curse forever. So I don't know. I'm I'm really not sure how that's going to work. I do think it's yeah. going to be, like with Snee being in it, I think whatever form these people are in, it's going to definitely take them back to whatever their original form is. Yeah, I um, I have no idea what any of it means, to be honest. I'm trying to come up with an idea, but there's so much that it could be, and I really, I have no idea. Like, I, 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 I really don't know because, you know, there, there are a lot of pictures out there that expose a lot of things, and I just, I don't know what to make of any of it. I'm excited about the new curse, though. I really am. I just, I'm, I'm with you. If it's a memory-altering thing, it cannot last more than a few episodes. It can't. Right. Because after all this time, I spent the entire first season waiting for Emma to break the curse and for her parents to realize who they were and for her to find them. I spent the whole first season waiting for that. And then I spent the whole second season waiting for them to finally get to some family-building moments and we didn't quite get there. And now we've finally been developing their family and all the relationships in the first half of the third season. So we are now two and a half seasons into this now. And if they totally undo everything and make everybody forget, like, that's really going to try my patience. And I, had, and I know it's not my story and it's, you know, it, it's not my call, but it is going to try my patience. And I am a hardcore one-star. I mean, I'll watch every episode, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be happy about it because I do not want them – to forget all over again. I, I don't. What I want, to, I mean, what I would love to have happen maybe is, you know, Henry and Emma stay in our world. Everybody else goes back to the Enchanted Forest and they have to figure out how to reconnect maybe. But I also feel like that's already been done so many times that I don't want to see that done again either because, you know, we already tried to, you know, we had to save Henry from Neverland and we had to get Snow and Emma back from the Enchanted Forest after the, they went through the, the hat with the race. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of done with the world jumping now. Like, I want them all to be stationary in one place all together for a while dealing with the threat. And that's just what I want to see. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. But, they, you know, that's what I want. That's my tirade on that. And I, we have to move on to the next topic because we only have half an hour left of the show. And, we still have to get to Wonderland. So the other big thing that happened in this episode, of course, was that Pan sent the shadow to rip off the blue fairy shadow and apparently killed her, which, um, okay, I'm just going to start the tirade. I am not happy about that move at all. First of all, the blue fairy is one of the most powerful magical beings that there ever have been, ever. And for her to just be so easily defeated by Pan's stupid shadow was something that really just ticked me off because I was like, okay, like, because this was my first thought. Why doesn't she have her wand and why doesn't she just blast his ass with some fairy dust? Like, I, I'm not understanding this. Like, don't, haven't we mined enough diamonds now? Like, while everybody was in Neverland, wasn't everybody working in the mines or something to get, like, or they took the magic out of the diamonds, right? Okay, so are there more? Can we get some fairy dust or some pixie dust or something going on like really you just killed the blue fairy like there's oh my god there's i can't even i amy i can't even you need to take over because i can't keep going on that have i lost my co-host uh-oh everybody it looks like i lost amy i don't know where she went i cannot hear her um 
<laughs> yeah, Mark, so Mark Davis, I'm seeing you in the chat room. You, you're that we're, you know we're both taken, but yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I might be attached to anybody who loves the Blue Fairy as much as I do, because she is a totally fantastic, awesome character. And Amy, I think you're back now. Yes. I think so. I'm hearing you. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Okay, I don't. Okay. I didn't understand what's happening. So, so yeah, yeah. Now that I've gone <laughs> off on my tirade about the Blue Fairy. Please go ahead and take over and share your thoughts on the matter because I could go for the rest of the show talking about that. I had no idea this was coming. I was completely shocked. And my first thought is there is no way that Keegan is dead. There's no way that she's off the show. And she's listed next week on the guest cast, but we've seen pictures um, behind the stage ones where she's, you know, laying in the coffin at, I, I'm assuming it's like the funeral. I mean, why ripping out the shadow? I thought when they ripped out the shadow, the shadows just went to Dark Hollow, you know, and there's so, I don't know. I just have a feeling that she's going to be brought back. I don't think that she's, yeah, if they end up digging a hole and sticking the casket in the hole and then burying it, then I'm going to be really, really upset. But for right now, I really think that Somehow she's going to be brought back. I don't know if it's going to be pixie dust or what, but I love Keegan. And, I mean, we even heard uh, Ethan Embry at Enchanticon when we were talking to him. You know, he mentioned, well, it's only Greg's shadow that got ripped out, so maybe you'll, I think you'll see more of, of me. That's one of the things he said to me when I was talking to him. So I just, I I don't think Keegan has gone for good because, I mean, you know I'm blue She through. better not be. I love Keegan. Keegan, aside from being just drop-dead gorgeous, Keegan is so talented. She's, I mentioned it at EnchantaCon, literally, like, the day we were getting ready to go over there, I flipped on my TV, and she was, like, on Supernatural. And I see her all the time in all these projects she's worked on. And, you know, she was in Bates Motel, and she just really, really gets into Blue Fairy, and she plays it so well. I mean, Blue has really been kind of a a witch in some of these scenes, and it's really neat to watch. I've said it before, to watch Keegan play it because she plays, you know, one minute she's the very good, loving fairy, and then we see her interact, like, with Pink, and she's very stern and hard, and we've discussed before how we think there's maybe a bigger backstory with Blue and that she has, you know, more going on back there, which we had hoped for because we thought that would end up being such a great story. So, yeah, I think Belief is going to come into play. There better be some clapping, some pixie dust. Something's going to happen, and Blue Fairy is going to come back. She's going to get her shadow. She'll, she'll get it back because there's no way Keegan is off the show. No yeah, I refuse, I refuse to believe, to believe it. it. I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> because it's she's the she is the blue fairy. And I don't care what Regina said to Rumpel in that one episode. I don't care if Rumpel and Regina are two of the most powerful practitioners of magic who have ever lived. The blue fairy is the blue fairy is the blue fairy. She is the leader of all of the fairies. She is like the most powerful benevolent being that there is. And she totally just got shafted by Pan's freaking shadow. Like, she better, like, seriously, Tink next week, that better be the thing. Like, Tink better defeat Shadow (laughs) or something. She better do something that brings everybody's shadow back to their bodies. 
And that better be the thing that, that Blue Fairy is finally like, oh, okay, well, you know, you've totally earned your wings, so here you go. And by the way, I'm just going to make you queen of all the fairies, too, because you just did such a badass job of saving me. Like, something like that better happen, because I refuse to believe that the Blue Fairy, who is the Blue Fairy, like, and all of her power, just got killed by a stupid-ass shadow. Like, I refuse to believe it. I, I, I will not accept it. I'm like with you. Until they put her in the ground and bury her, I'm not going to believe it, because... Yeah, it's just, and I told you it's with just, Pan's shadow, mm. like what I kind of, cause, well, it actually isn't Pan's shadow, now we know, it's just the shadow, and I told you when we were talking um, on the staff page when we were having a conversation that I had kind, kind of an idea about how that was going to play out, but I don't the end for Blue. I think Blue is going to come back. I think that Pink's going to save her with pixie dust or believing or something's going to happen. Because even in the first season, they were talking about something that was the most powerful magic in the Enchanted Forest, and it was Rule Gorm. They were talking about the Blue Fairy, right? So Yeah, I mean, it was it was Moraine who was telling Balefire in the return yeah. that, or the, yeah, that, you know, she is, you know, that she's ancient. She's more ancient than anything. So, right, right. And, and, no and yeah, and I and <laughs> all I know is all I, and here's here's what I know. Okay, here's what I know. Like if when she comes back, like Tink or somebody whoever, like you need they need to have some Harry Potter wisdom. Carry your wands with you at all times, people. All times, <laughs> just carry it with <laughs> you. Stow it away. Vanish it away. I don't care what you do with it. Put it in your purse. But carry your wand with you at all times. That was the lesson to be learned from this episode. And she better come back next week or else I am seriously, I'm, I'm going to have a, I'll have a fit over it if she's dead really, because I just, I, that is not acceptable to me. The blue fairy is an incredibly important character and I, there just, no, just no. So yeah, that's where I'm at with that. We've got 20 minutes left to talk about Wonderland. So let's do it. So Wonderland. Amy, go ahead and take the discussion. Yes. Well, like you mentioned, a lot of people are saying this was the best episode of Wonderland yet. It was very dark. This was almost like what Skin Deep was to season one of Once Upon a Time because that was kind of yes. in Skin Deep, you know, where Rumpel's going off and beating the crap out of Maurice. Like we get these really dark moments and we started to see what this show really could get into. Wonderland did this this week with Jafar. And it's really, it's kind of ironic, too. Maury pointed it out today. The little boy that played Jafar in this episode actually has played Naveen Andrews as a child in Lost also. It's the same kid. So he's played him twice. Um, We already knew that Jafar's father was the Sultan, but we didn't know why he hated him so much, why he wanted revenge, what was going on with that. We found out in this episode that the Sultan, Jafar's father, is definitely the other man in the cage who's, you know, in Jafar's prison. And up until this point, we had really felt like, you know, Jafar was a villain and he probably had some misplaced ranting. But as this episode began, Jafar is in this little hut with his mom and she's dying and they're all alone and she tells him, you know, I don't want to leave you, but I have to, I don't have any choice. 
gives him a ring that she says belongs to his father and finally tells him, look, your father's the sultan. You take that to him, care for you. And then as she dies, like this silvery mist comes out of her. And Jane actually commented on that too, I wanted to mention. Somebody asked her if that was like almost like the Harry Potter thing where the mother's love kind of attached itself to Harry. And Jane said, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that explanation as a mother's love because we see that mist again. But, you know, Jafar, it turns out not to be what the mom thought it was going to be because he goes to the sultan and then the sultan's like, I already have a son. And, you know, he's not denying that Jafar is his child, but he says, well, he can say that you'll be a servant. Don't you ever call me father. Don't look me in the eye. Don't address me. You know, you're lower than low. And then, you know, he speaks out of turn one time just, thinking he's helping by answering a question, the Sultan lets his other son just, you know, slap the crap out of Jafar multiple times and encourages him to keep doing it. So we're starting to see that he's like this really horrible, horrible father. This guy is awful. And he goes back to Jafar in what was the darkest moment of the whole episode. And he tells Jafar to go ahead and wash his hands off, and then they'll talk. And when Jafar turns his back, the Sultan grabs him from behind and drowns him in the sink, in the tub. And he, you know, he's dead. It's just you have this little boy who's dead, which is really dark for a TV show. But I'm really glad Jane went there with it because it was crazy. But they lay him on the floor, and if you didn't notice, the rug that they wrapped him in, they wrap his dead body mm-hmm. in this rug, it's the carpet that he flies around on now. So he kept that yeah. with him all the time. Teresa's saying it was very Game of Thrones. Yeah. But yep. it, it was very dark, very Game of Thrones. They wrapped this little boy's dead body in this carpet and take him to this dump, and then we see that silver mist again, which... I mean, it could be, you know, I don't know if that was the mother's love had attached to him or what exactly happened, but he takes a breath and is revived. But I know you were shocked seeing that too, Zach. What did you think about, I mean, the fact that, God, Jafar's father, you know, drowned him in this episode as a little boy? Well, it was definitely, I think, I mean, it was by far the darkest moment in in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, but I actually think that that has probably been the darkest moment between either one of the shows. Even with yeah. everything that Rumpel has done, turning people into snails and stepping on them, cutting Hook's hand, you know, taking Hook's hand, ripping everybody's heart out, you know, having seen all that stuff, all of that is magical. You know what I mean? And it has a different resonance when the scene with the Sultan and, and Jafar with the drowning is what I mean. That scene has a completely different resonance because he's not using magic. He's using his bare hands to kill his child. And that right, yeah, is, it was horrible. That goes, that goes far beyond anything that Rumpel or Regina or even Cora have done on the show, really. I mean, she did something horrible by killing Daniel and everything else that she did. But you know, as twisted as it was, she was doing it for Regina's best interest, and she never actually did anything to hurt Regina. This mm-hmm. was attempted, this was, homic- this was homicide by a parent. And right, because he drowned him. Yeah, because he drowned him. And that was, I mean, 
first of all, it had such, you could totally tell that it was a Jane Estenson episode because of that, because she tends mm-hmm. to write the darker stuff. But also, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that they were, that they were going there. I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad that Jane took it to that point. But I was mm-hmm. really surprised that, that it happened, and it actually made me wonder if that's why they put Wonderland on a different day than Once Upon a Time because it's so much darker. And, you know, the Sunday at 8 o'clock has always been known as the time slot for the wonderful world of Disney, and that's mm-hmm. what kind of Once Upon a Time has taken its place. And mm-hmm. I almost, and it, it did make me wonder if, if the show was so dark that they didn't want to put it on Sundays. It still doesn't make any sense to me because it's, the, because the quality of this episode, the quality of the story, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, all of the layers and the depth and everything, I think it's worthy of being on Sundays. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that that was the decision, but that, it did make me wonder about it. But I was really shocked and surprised, and he is by far the worst parent that we have ever seen on either one of the shows. He is the sultan is a way yeah. worse father than Rumpel is by, you know, at all. And what I thought was actually so tragic about the whole thing, and I mean, I mean really, really tragic too, is that despite all of these things, despite the fact that, you know, his father won't accept him as his son, the fact that he let his half-brother smack him around, the fact mm-hmm. that he tried to kill him, Jafar is still the whole point of his whole quest right now is to get his father, his father to love him. Yeah, yeah. and I just think that yeah. it's so tragic that even despite everything that his father has done to him, that, he, that that's what he's searching for. He still is looking for his parent to love him. And I, I thought, and it gave it a twist on Jafar's character with that tragic element that I was not expecting yeah. to see. Because like you said at the I, beginning, I, I you know, kind of just assumed Jafar was just this raging, villainous man who was angry. And in fact, he's just looking for the love of his parent. And it was just such a, it was so unexpected. I, I loved it, but I was, I was truly shocked by it. I really was. I was shocked, too, because I thought, you know, watching that scene, I was like, okay, in a second, he's going to pull him up and the kid will cough and that'll be it. They're not actually going to have him drown his son, but there it was. And just, I mean, the comment, he's like, throw him out with the rest of the garbage, you know, it was really horrible. And up until this episode, you know, Jafar has been really just pretty much evil, evil straight through. And when you see this, and then at the end, how he's, you know, what he's asking the sultan who he has prisoner, he's saying, you know, say the words, call me your son. And he's like, oh, well, I'll never do it. I only when he even said, "I only the only thing I regret is that I didn't hold you under that water longer," is what the soul yeah. says to him when he he asks him to call him his son. I was like, "You rat bastard!" I'm like, "Jafar, don't just mm-hmm. put him back in the cage. Knock him around a little bit." I mean, I was like, "No wonder." I feel like I had like an epiphany about Jafar's character. No wonder he wants to change the laws of magic and the past. And the other thing about this episode is I thought father's stories, were, it was so smart that both stories, the Jafar story and the Alice story this week, were about dealing with their fathers who yep. at some point didn't believe in them, didn't accept them, didn't love them. So I was like, I thought that was very smart because, you know, we saw Jafar who, you know, 
he brought Alice's father there, and then he created a potion to make himself look like Alice's father. And Alice, you know, she wasn't going to forgive him at first. She's like, you know, you treated me like an obligation. You didn't treat me like a daughter. You didn't want me there. And finally, you know, he, I was saying on the, uh, on Twitter, because Jane said, that's not a Jabberwocky that Jafar just called. I said, yeah, it's a, it's a Jafarwocky. And she's like, exactly, it's a Jafarwocky. So he summons this dragon to, you know, so he gets an opportunity to look like he's trying to save Alice. So, you know, Alice really starts to want to connect with her father. And then in a subtle moment, she notices right before he eats, he doesn't say grace. And her father never in his life has ever eaten without saying grace. So they, I believe Julie Benson actually wrote that little bit right there. I'm almost positive that's what Jane said, that that was Julie Benson um, who wrote that, had that idea. But it was just so good because that one little subtle thing, and Alice knew it wasn't him, and she caught on, and, you know, they took off. But then there was that moment at the end of the episode where Jafar is giving Alice a choice. You know, he's hanging her father over a cliff and he's going to kill him. And he tells her, go ahead, make a wish and save him. And her father finally does the right thing where Jafar's father doesn't. It's like they were both given this option to do the right thing. Like Jafar's father could have called him son and Alice's father is given this opportunity here to do the right thing, and he actually does. He tells her, you know, you're right. When your mother died, I blamed you. I didn't think you could be happy. I didn't think I could be happy, you know, and he's going on and on, and he says, I don't want you to save me. I don't deserve it. You need to find Cyrus, and he he tells her before Jafar drops him that Cyrus has escaped, which Alice didn't know yet, and so Jafar drops him, and Alice does end up wishing him back, so she used up that second wish. But Jafar is happy about that because now it's a wish closer. But then when her father gets back to his home, his horrible new wife convinces him, there's something up with that woman first off. Let me just say, I don't like her, and there's something going on with her. There's more to her than just, you know, some woman who married Alice's dad because yeah. – she convinces him that it was all a dream, that he didn't go anywhere. He was right there all along. So I, I don't know what's going on with her. I don't know if maybe she's another witch from Oz. Who knows? But something maybe is she's going the on wicked with that witch. Maybe she's the wicked witch of the East. <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah. yeah, but th- there's seriously, though, there is something going on with that woman. There is something going on with that character. So I agree with you. She's not just you know, Alice's stepmom, there's something really creepy about her. And I do want to backpedal a little bit to what you were saying about how Alice figured out that it wasn't really her father. One Mm -hmm. thing, one of the many things that I like about Wonderland is the fact that Alice is a really, really smart girl. She is a very intelligent woman. They're not, she's not just this, you know, shrinking violet who needs, you know, the knave or Cyrus really to, I mean, she, she does need Cyrus, but she only needs him to be, you know, happy and complete. She, she's not, she doesn't need him to take care of her though. I mean, she can take care of herself because also the thing that I loved about the episode, and you mentioned it earlier when they were going to build the hot air balloon, 
when she gives the knave his physics lesson, I thought that was, I loved that scene. I actually rewound it a couple of times because she's, she's so smart, and I love it. I mean, I love how intelligent she is and that it was a science thing, that it wasn't just, you know, oh, logic, whatever. She was actually talking about physics and real science. Like, Alice is a really smart woman, and I love that they have done that with her character on the show. That right. I, I love of her personality and how they developed her that way. Um, you know, as far as, like, I, that whole thing was tragic was because when Alice, you know, finally opened up to her father and was telling her how she felt about, you know, you always treated me as an obligation and never as a daughter, I felt mm-hmm. so bad. Because, I mean, I felt the same way that I did for Rumple in, you know, The Stranger when he's sitting there apologizing to who he thinks is Balefire but is actually Pinocchio. It was the same right. thing in this episode. She was sitting here talking to who she thought was a dad, but it was actually Jafar. And then, you know, and then later on when she figured out that it was really him, you know, that, that whole thing where her father said, you know, I, I want you to be happy. I want you to be with Cyrus. Don't save me. I thought that was just such a great turnaround for his character too because I, haven't, I have not liked Alice's father since the very first episode. Really. I um, yeah. And it was yeah, at that, that point, he... too, Jane told me, she's like, well, just see if you feel any different about him at the end of this episode when we were tweeting. And at the end when that happened, I tweeted her back. I said, okay, you were right. Maybe there is some redemption for Edwin, which is Alice's father's name, because I could not stand him, him and his wife. I still don't like his wife, but I thought he was just, up until seeing the Sultan this week, I thought he was one of the worst. Uh, parents that we've seen up until now. Of course, now we've seen the Sultan. So and Edwin started to redeem himself. So that was great. So the whole, I thought that it was just this episode really stood out as a game changer for me on yeah. Wonderland. I mean, you know, we, you and I have liked Wonderland from the beginning. We've been telling everybody that they, you know, that they should watch it. But this episode, I kind of feel like. When I first started watching Once Upon a Time, as surprising as it is, I actually wasn't hooked right away. I didn't get into it immediately. I thought the Uh first episode was really good, but I was still kind of hesitant. And then after the second episode came out, I was even more hesitant because I just wasn't sure where they were going with it, and I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. But then, you know, I watched Snow Falls, and I liked that, and then... The Price of Gold was good, but it wasn't until that still small voice, the fifth episode, with Jiminy Mm. Cricket and the puppet dolls, you know, the parents, that I realized, okay, this show is, this show is going to, it's going somewhere. Like, it's going to do something. It's not just what I thought it was going to be. And I feel like, you know, even though I've known that the whole time with Wonderland, that's what this episode did for me. It really was Mm. just the, the signal that, you know, there is, you know, this show isn't just what you, I mean, there's so much more going on in Wonderland than you think. And, you know, it honestly, it makes me even more sad that it makes me sad that we had to wait this long to get there because I really wanted to, you know, I, I wonder if more people would have gotten behind the show earlier if we'd had this kind of thing beforehand. I mean, I don't know. Now I do think that Jane doing the live tweet may have helped a little bit. I know it's not a huge bump, but there, the demographic point, did go up for Wonderland. In the final ratings, it had been at the 0.9, it went up to a 1.0, which 
I mean, is definitely an increase. I think anytime any of the cast and crew, and that's the other thing about Wonderland, um, Sophie, who plays Alice, and Emma Rigby, who's the Red Queen, a lot of times, almost every week, they live tweet the episode, even if the writers are not live tweeting. So they love interacting mm-hmm. with the cast and answering questions. So, yeah, it's great. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the show. We're down to our last minute and a half already, which it doesn't feel like we've actually been talking about the show <laughs> now. It doesn't feel like we're already at the end of the podcast, to be honest. I mean, I feel like we still have a ways to go, but... We're already at the end, so, yeah, there's that. Um, you know, we do have this. We always have the option of scheduling another show throughout the week, and that maybe have to be something that that we do because uh, I, I don't think that – I think that the discussion about this whole thing – anyways, we're down to our last minute. So um, we didn't actually get a whole lot of callers coming in to the switchboard tonight, so if you're wondering why we never answered anybody's questions, it's because I didn't actually see – any callers come through. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, I gave it, I know I gave the right number out. So, um, yeah, not sure if it's a switchboard problem or not, but nobody ever came up on the line. So, well, now um, last week it was a switchboard problem. Last week we just didn't get the callers in. So, yeah, so I don't know if that's what's happening now, but, um, you know, if you called in and we didn't get to you, I'm really sorry because we're, we're still trying to figure this out, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But we can see everybody in the chat room, so there's that. We are down to our last five seconds. So um, thank you all for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week with the last podcast of the current episodes. You still want to hear what you want to do for the rest of the time during the hiatus? Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good night.